Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Today, John Asher of Asher Media Relations joins us from Montreal, Quebec. AMR was founded in 2007 by John and has grown exponentially since that time. AMR has worked with a multitude of musicians and bands, from Quovetus and Fuck the Facts to All Else Fails and Annihilator. AMR has also been a partner to a wide range of metal festivals. John, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Yeah. You're out in Montreal. You said you've been to some live shows already? Uh, not in Montreal. <laughs> no? Uh, I My only live experience has been coming going out to Alberta for uh, Loud as Hell. Uh, that's it. Every, every show I've bought tickets to here in Montreal recently uh, has been canceled. <laughs> so uh, it's been kind of disappointing. So, yeah, there's not much. There's, you know, there's still on the small scale a little bit local scene stuff, but it's some of it's like last minute. And, um, yeah, so, um, but, yeah, still haven't been to any live music per se yet. And are all the difficulties as a result of COVID? Uh, yeah, it's partially that, you know, um, it's kind of like a back and forth, I say, with the government, with their, um, just what they mandate, you know, there's, you know, so it's kind of weird. It's like arena shows, some of them have been happening, yet then sometimes the bars can't have shows because it's too many people. It's it's kind of a weird situation. So then the rules keep changing. If what? The the rules keep changing. Oh, sorry, that went pretty high. Yeah, um, the rules the rules keep uh, changing. So um, yeah, there there there's there's announcements of shows here and there, but I wouldn't say we're like back to um, how it used to be on the scene. I used to be at three to four shows a week supporting the local scene you know i was i guess you would call a regular scenester i i I go out and i support the local bands and just hang out and because i enjoyed it and then of course the big shows too so um it's still i think uh a distance away from getting there i think i think covid I, i i i personally have thoughts that covid has set everybody back by five years you know, I know everyone thinks we're going to be back to normal by 2022, but I think we will, but not full, full on. I think uh, this COVID thing is going to be, it's just going to take time. I think it's one of those long haul things that we can't really uh, determine, I guess. Yeah, it's unpredictable, you know, and, you know, it's, 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 we shut down. We open up, we shut down, we open up. And, you know, I think the governments themselves are still trying to figure out the best way to go about things. Um, personally, I, I always, my personal belief on all this has always been every decision is an economic decision, not first and foremost health. I think health is secondary because uh, everything drives the world economically. So they're just trying to figure out how can we do this economically smart, but also, you know, health smart too. So it's a catch-22 situation sometimes, it feels. So that's, 
Yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I just think patience, it's that, you know, patience is a virtue. Exactly. It. Wait it out. How has this affected you? Um, it's changed the game. Um, I was used to working lots of tours and festivals in the summer as part of my projects, and I saw that all wiped out. Um, it was an interesting time to not have that work to be done and honestly be home, not going to shows. And when that became a regular routine, you know, work during the day, go out at night, do the shows. Um, so that that changed. And then, you know, the panic of COVID at the beginning, every artist was like, no, we're not going to release. It's stupid. We're just going to wait till this thing's over. And, you know, and then uh, an increase of just people had so much time on their hands that, you know, artists got together and used the digital world to their advantage to record and write and put things together. And now there's just an increase on releases. I'm honestly very overwhelmed with releases. Everybody's got an album. Everybody's got an EP. Everybody's got something to put out. Um, and they want to get it out, even though they can't play live shows, some of them. They don't care at this point. They just want to be heard and express themselves as artists. So that's happened. It's it's getting a little bit too overwhelming with releases. Um, but it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. People, you know, at least people are writing and putting stuff out. Um, you know, I don't understand some bands saying we weren't able to write or just because I was like, I'm meeting tons of bands who use digital world to their advantage, you know, even though they're like on different sides of the country or different parts of their cities and whatever, they've still been able to use technology to release music. So anyhow, yeah, that's how it's been going now. How do you stay organized with uh, the influx of releases? How do I see? How do you stay organized with the influx of releases? (laughs) I showed you my wall here. (laughs) <laughs> and you know and i make schedules i make schedules of to do's um i have a lot of things to do and i never have enough hours in the day to complete everything um so i might be taking a break we'll see i might enjoy a break because it's just been too much work lately everybody uh it, everyone's on musician times i get scenarios where bands hit me up in may and then I don't hear from them, and I'm not I'm not a fan of chasing and being like, are we doing this? Come to me when you're ready. And then they're like, yeah, so we're releasing in October, November. And I'm like, well, you should have contacted me earlier and not ghosted me or, you know, just let me know because now I'm fully booked. You know, I'm doing – I had that, a lot of that too. I have a lot of bands coming to me still for October, November releases, December, and I'm just – I'm fully booked. Like you've got to come to, I think a lot of publicists like myself are like, we're all overwhelmed and you got to come to us at least two, three months in advance to give us what, what, what you're doing. Cause this stuff doesn't happen overnight. The PR stuff does not happen overnight. Uh, you can't just say we got an album and we're releasing it and do your magic the next day. It does not happen that way. There's a lot of prep behind the scenes. Uh, so what kind of preparation do you have to do? Uh, first, listen to the album. See if it's good, right? Um, then, you know, 
some bands come in with their, their ideas of singles, some bands don't, and they want your interpretation. Um, you know, it depends what promotional content they provide. Also, like, do you have single? Is it just single streams? Are we doing videos? Um, where are we going to place them for premieres? Um, you know, also putting together the press kit, the news releases. How do we want to story pitch everything? Um, who can we try to get interviews with? You know, we got to send it out to the print, the online, the radio guys, the Spotify ad guys. And this takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It's, you know, I think still I find a lot of bands think they're the only band that a PR guy is working with. They also think that the media guys are not not getting a lot of content but they are they're getting like a thousand other bands just like you to pick from so when you get selected you should be very appreciative because they chose you over hundreds of other bands they could have selected to to expose to their readership or their listenership you know what i mean so um it's competitive it's very competitive it's a business your product and we're trying to get your product showcased using the media that's if you want to simplify it, right? The media is a tool to reach new listeners and new readers to create interest and convert them into fans. You know, in the end, it's going to be your music they hear and see if they like it. I can only go so far to get it exposed. In the end, it's going to be the consumer's decision, right? It'd be like, ah, oh, I like this band. I'm going to support them. I'm going to buy their album. I'm going to buy their merch. And when touring comes back, I'll come to, I'll go to their show kind of thing, right? So that's pretty much the goal of a publicist is just to create perception of interest of the product, the band, right? To eventually buy either its live entity or its physical entity or its streaming entity in a nutshell. That's how I look at everything when I approach it. So when a band approaches you, what do you look for? I look for number one, I have to like the music. I have to like, you know, I sit there, I sit here all day listening to a lot of bands. And if, and what I do is I, I put it in the background and I wait for something to catch my attention, you know, be like, Oh, that was a cool riff. Oh, that was a cool bass riff or that's a cool blast. Something that just be like, Oh, and then you listen, you know, you listen over and over and you see what's capturing you, right? And uh, that happened recently. There was a band um, that sent me their stuff and I was like, I liked every single uh, song on the album. And uh, I'm a very, I like groove and prog stuff. So it was like groove, lots of groove in it. And I was like, oh, this is so good. So I was like, I messaged them right away. I'm like, I'm on board. But you have to work with my schedule. Because I'm not releasing it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done for 2021 releases. So if you're down for waiting to work with me for 2022, then I'm on board kind of thing. And then from there, too, it takes time because you have to then get their material, the back end stuff of creating the press kits, the story pitches, the placement of premieres, the timeline of promo. Like, when do we want this to go out and when do we want this to go out and to who and what, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, my dog's barking. <laughs> Billy, 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 come here. Billy, come here. 
And uh, yeah, that's it in a nutshell, but you need time to put everything together. For sure. you know? And uh, for the indie bands, a common notion is, like I get this weekly, it's like, today's Monday, they'll message me, we're releasing an album on Friday, and I'll be like, well, too bad. Well, because also the media guys expect everything. Shh. Can you cut it out? I'm sorry about that. Um, But uh, the media guys, too, they need advance. You know, they get bombarded with so many promos that they also need time. So if you send it to them a month, two months in advance, and they realize, oh, it's coming out on this date, oh, we can squeeze it in if we're interested in reviewing it or doing an interview. You know, time is one of the the back-end keys to everything for for a promo campaign you know especially if you want the bigger outlets every band wants the bigger outlets so but the bigger outlets have further schedules out there right they're planning january and february right now or in october so um yeah you want to do this interview you got something to say (laughs) <laughs> he just wants to join you. This little guy. This little guy is making so much noise. So, um, yeah, there's just that. That's it. It's just, you know, it's like the labels. You know, let's say the band gets signed to a label. They're planning a product launch. It's like any business. You're planning a product launch. And to do a successful product launch and a marketing campaign, you need time, right? And I, I get very disappointed when I hear bands who are like, you know, they worked in studio with a big name producer and they spent all this time and money and then they were so anxious to get it out. As soon as they got their recordings, they posted it right on their their, their Facebook, their Spotify, their bank, whatever. They put it all out. They gave the goods with no plan. And then they wonder why no one's paying attention to them. And it's just like, why'd you spend all that money for a $10,000 Facebook post? You know? And then, yeah, you didn't build. You didn't build on the release, the release of it. You just, done. It's out. Guess what? Next week, no one's going to care as much because there's the next album to move on to of a bunch of others. You know what I mean? And you're just one of like a hundred thousand other bands doing the same thing. So you got to have a plan, always have a plan. So when the guys come to you, what would you recommend them having ready uh, in order for you to choose them over other bands? Um, quality recording first. Some bands, you know, unfortunately have to do self-recording and it, and it comes out good. Sometimes it comes out bad, but first and foremost, Quality recording is key. Um, also, you know, explain the album to me. It's just not like, I, you know, I'm not a fan of bands who just said, here's our album, run with it. I need background info. What are the lyrics about? What is this band about? Why did you get together? You know, what is what are you trying to express with this art? You know, that will entice people besides the music of it what else can we add to it 
create interest. What's the story? Maybe your vocalist went through like drug addiction or witnessed something horrific and it's kind of made him express himself this way. Or are you guys like sci-fi nerds and you're writing about Star Wars or you know what I mean? Like, give me some story back end here um, about this release. Um, I look for that too. And then also I, I do like to bands who've, who've gotten a taste of PR on their own. They've tried to get press attention on their own. And then they realize it's not an easy job and, and they understand how hard and difficult it is to, my job is to, uh, convince media that this is worthy of being paid attention to, right? That's part of it. So, um, that too. And then just organization, like the band, I like a band who knows what they want in a sense, like they prep their music videos ready where I'm not waiting. Um, you know, or bands tell me a common error I get a lot from bands is like, we want to release on this date and I'm great. I'm like, is the album, let me hear the album. Oh, it's not ready. And I'm like, so how are you going to pull it off releasing it on that date? Or same thing with music videos. They said, we're going to release it this date and I'm still waiting for a file. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my common uh, advice to a lot of bands is don't release anything until you have all your promotional content uh, gathered and you have a plan put in place. Then only you should move forward with a release campaign because you're telling me you have a lyric video, you have a music video, you have a final product but I haven't been provided it. I'm not moving forward because I've been down this road too many times to learn my lesson, you, you know, because it's, it's, it's not the band's fault. It's always like they're waiting for a producer, a mixer, a master, whatever, you know, the video editor, the video director, somebody puts a little chink in the, in the chain. Right. And it just causes a domino effect. So things that you did want to have planned are not going to go according to plan. And that's a common notion in the music industry. You got to go in like already knowing nothing ever goes as planned. You know, that's, that's the music industry for you anyways. But you try to keep it tight as possible, right? Follow the timeline, follow the promo and where you want to go with things, right? So, um, and then, yeah, and I'll just experience. I, I prefer, of course, a band with more experience who understands, who's done some touring and, social media on their own and have worked to build it shows work ethic too. work ethic that the band is working just as hard as you you just you know a, a, i think a lot of bands think they hand it to a publicist or a booking agent or a label and that's it they can walk away and we're going to do everything honestly no you know we do our part you know that's all we, we we are one part of the of the of the the factory in a sense right the reality is you have your PR, your booking agent, your marketing, your label. They're doing their, their supports behind the scene. But the band still has to be active, you know. I I, uh, I don't even do social media for bands. And I don't I can't follow every band's social media. So you got to tell me what you're doing because um, everyone's busy. So it, it's just planning. A band who's well organized is, is in a nutshell. Just be an organized person and a band and, you know, 
treat it like a business. I'm sorry if you musicians hate that word, but it's a business. You're putting out a product and then you, you, a lot of bands also be like, they want to make money from the product. Duh. Um, and they want to play shows. So you got to treat it like that. You know, you can't ignore things. And even if the band's completely organized, what are some things that are uh, automatic write-offs for you? Um, bands who don't reply to emails or messages within 24 hours. Like the worst, I really despise bands when you book interviews and forward them press stuff and they don't reply for a week. You know, tardiness is musician's time is the worst enemy because what can happen is we book an interview and you haven't gone back to me. That media guy will be like, well, I didn't hear back. So I moved on to the next guy. You know what I mean? And there you go. Missed opportunities and just being also scheduled, you know, a common thing with musicians, to be honest, is they miss interviews. You know, it's like set reminders, don't miss a live radio interview or don't miss this interview with this publication. And they do it. And then they look bad, but I also look bad. And then you burn bridges really quick that way in the industry, too. Oh, that's because you're often setting up the interviews. Yeah. Often, yeah, you're setting them up and you're working. Hell, I felt bad when I missed our interview. I was like, damn, oh, my God. You know, and I'm. And I'm the one who gives a lot of shit to a lot of bands for that. I lo- It's my biggest pet peeve. And I did it myself, right? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Right? It's all good. You so, rescheduled right away, so it's no big deal. Yeah. So, you know, some media guys are cool with the reschedules. They get it. Some just be like, no, nope, that's it. Don't care for the band. They missed their opportunity. So, um, yeah, be organized and scheduled. Be professional. What uh, what are some benefits and challenges of working with new bands? The benefits. Um, you know, uh, I've always enjoyed helping them out. I've always loved... I've done both big and small, right? But I've always loved the small more because I love fighting for the underdog and watching them grow. Um, and you know, especially if you get to do two, three albums with them along the way, and you've seen it taken from like this level and then they're at this level and it's a progressive build and that I really, really love compared to working with an established artist. When you're working with an established artist, honestly, I felt more like a secretary because it wasn't, it was easier because they are a product in demand, whereas an independent artist is not a product in demand and we're trying to create demand, right? Um, so, and I, I've just always been like, ah, I love the good fight, right? That's always just been in me. I love the good fight, the challenge more of being like, you know, I had a band in Metal Hammer Germany in print and I was like, yes, you know, that's awesome because they're a completely independent band. And okay, we got them. To me, I love still seeing bands in print. It's just like you pick it up and you're like, wow, that's cool, right? The smell of print. I love all that. So, and, and it's the fight for the underdog. That's it. Um, whereas it's just, I think the, 
the stressful part of the job is the demand for results. Um, and then to be honest, a lot of bands don't show appreciation for what they've received as coverage only give you a hard time of what they haven't gotten. And that is very like insulting and frustrating because you put in so much work and you knock on so many doors and you're trying to break down the brick wall for an independent artist and it's still not good enough for them. Right. You know, and that that's the only thing, but there are some gems that like, you know, I get some bands who, who thank me for all the coverage, you know, we may have not gotten all the big outlets, right. Cause they're indie, but we got maybe one or two and then the rest is blogs and the radio charts and whatever, but you know, there's no guarantees. You go out there with a product and you hope it's well received and you knock on as many doors and you pitch and you pitch and you pitch and hopefully you get the results that you're looking for. I'm never happy with any campaign I do. I always want more, of course, just like the client, but you try, you just keep on trying. So do you notice any trends that are more commercially successful or I guess less successful? Um, well, no trends, but it's just, PR is kind of the art of perception. So a band just has to look more professional than indie sometimes. Right. But it's the product themselves. I've always felt sometimes album art is very key. The press photo is very key because we're a visual society first. And some bands look at me like I'm stupid, but I'm like, they do judge the book by the cover sometimes. They'd be like, oh, what's that band? And what's that band? You know, and I've always felt we're a visual society first and foremost. So cool album cover and not your generic, like cool press photos to draw you in. I'm like, oh, what are these guys about? And then you click the link to here, right? So it's just like that. And just keeping active you know we're in an age of social media and more bands should use it to their advantage to cultivate a fan base on their own too that can be very simply done but you know it's timing and what you put out as content is key i've always suggested every band just take a marketing 101 course please um because that will help you on a business and business courses you know knowledge is power um and then also the behind the scenes stuff read the book i you know i enjoyed reading music industry books and learning behind the scenes stuff everything about you know releases and you know royalties and publishing and you know just there's so much behind the scenes that need to be done for a proper product launch or distribution etc etc right just goes on and on you know it's not an easy task do you have any good book recommendations um yeah there was um the indie band bible it's old super old so probably outdated now but it was written by the guitarist of moist and in the book he just explains how they did it as an independent band first you know, marketing themselves, touring, etc. And it, when I read it when I was in a band, and I really enjoyed it, it was really helpful. How do you approach things? You know, 
even on the street marketing level, right? I don't think bands are doing enough. I, I personally have felt street marketing has dissolved completely with social media. I remember going to festivals and shows and always seeing like record labels doing their street marketing and stuff, giving free samplers out and flyers and this and that. And that's not happening as much anymore. And then there was another book called label record label sessions or business straightforward maybe i forget the author but that was a good book too because that went into more details behind the scenes like mechanical rights royalties publishing also and how to release it with distribution and you know etc etc so um but yeah you could nowadays read all this stuff online You know, musicians don't need to be lazy. It's just educate yourself. It's all online. Just a few reads. So let's back things up a little bit. I want to talk about your company and how everything got started. So how did you start Asher Media Relations and what got you into metal? Um, I was always a metal fan, first and foremost. Uh, I was part of the metal scene, rock scene here in Montreal when I first started out when I was like 16 playing in, in a band. Um, what happened was I went, I was studying, I'm not studying. I was, I got involved in the, at, at the radio station at CJD in Shom here in Montreal through my brother and my brother was working there and he got me a promotional internship and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really liked every day was different, working with people hands-on, setting up events, etc. So, um, I was I eventually found the PR program at McGill, um, corporate PR stuff. And I, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And as soon as I graduated, my plan was to just go to Toronto and get a job in corporate PR and apply to a bunch of stuff. Music PR wasn't really the angle I was going for. You know, I wanted to work just for a cool company. I was actually was hoping to work in radio promotions or something, just promotions. And it was hard with, you You know, you're straight out of university. Nobody, you have no experience, you know, not much. So I had a really hard time and I eventually landed. I was told I got an internship at Much Music and I was super happy because Much Music was a dream job for me. Um, and then I was super happy about that going to start it. And then finally I got a call after they told me I did have it to tell me I didn't have it. And they chose nice. somebody else in the end. And I was Wait. like, oh man. And that just really set me off. I was like, I'm done with Toronto. I'm done with this city. And I was contemplating, what do I do? I'm like, I know PR, I know the music scene. I got, you know, a few connections and my intentions were to, do the PR company, but only for a little while to be noticed by another PR company and be like, Hey, come work for us. That was my goal. I just, I want to show you what I can do on my own and you'll hire me. That's it. You know, I wasn't planning to be self-employed or any of that stuff. And I started, you know, using my music connections in Montreal and stuff. And then I just started building and working for bands and then, yeah, just networking and, and eventually it just became its own band after band referral and stuff like that. So 
um yeah that's pretty much it and i've been doing it since so what draws you to the promotion side uh i just honestly i i just i really liked it was more the live events and the promotion stuff i was i, I like being with people and hanging out that's really what i liked and it, it was more the live atmosphere and stuff and being around people and socializing and having drinks and just having a good time that I really liked. The office part is not as much fun. It's an office job, really. PR is an office job. I'm behind my desk for 10 hours a day. And then I still have people messaging me at two, three in the morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes up, you know, people's, it's just <laughs> always go, go, go. And, and that, that burns you out a bit, the office part. But it was the live events, you know, and hanging out and meeting people from, you know, different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and, you know, having opportunities to go to events like a walk in open air or going to the Junos or, you know, just experiencing music festivals that I would no normally never get to experience. I've, I've gotten to do everything I've wanted to do um if when i was trying to be a musician but i've done everything i've wanted to do behind the scenes and i'm content with that i'm not oh, on the stage good. i'm behind the stage and i've really enjoyed that i don't think i would have experienced the world the way i have um uh, if i went the other route and that 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 was the drive mostly was the travel i really love the travel part of the pr job I don't necessarily have to travel, but I do it. I want to, right? So do you get to enjoy the places you travel to or? Yeah, I always try to take a day or two off like when I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere. Good. Try to experience, right? Like you might as well, you know? And then it always comes back because then you meet other people and they've been there and then, you know, next thing you know, you got a conversation going and they're like, Oh yeah, I did that. And no, oh, I didn't do that all oh, next time, you know, like, and like, you know, and I, I make friends in all those cities too, right. As I go along mm -hmm. and that I've always enjoyed too. It's great to have friends in every city. Are you generally working during shows or is that something you can enjoy? Um, depends. Well, if the bands are touring, if it's a band that's touring that I work for, um and like let's say they roll through montreal and i have some press guys interested in interviewing them then yeah i'm working but i'm also enjoying the show mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. and i don't mind connecting and i love seeing you know bands do their radio interviews or interview with an online or something so that happens like like when when striker was nominated for the juno and before it was canceled like i was prepping to be ready in the press room for for the junos in case striker won and they did, but unfortunately we didn't have that experience. And that was one of the experiences I was looking forward to. Because mm -hmm. um, I've been to the Junos before, but I've never, like, I wanted, I never had like a nom, I was there with a nominee and then they won. It would have been quite an experience to handle a press room and, you know, just run and do their, inter pre set up their interviews and stuff, right? Prepping everything. Um, for anybody not in Canada, do you mind um, just describing what the Junos are? Okay, the Junos, I guess the easiest way is they're the Canadian Grammys, right? That's how I've always explained it. And pretty much everybody in the music world knows what the Grammys are. So it's Canada's most prestigious music award. 
right, for accomplishment. So, yeah, the Junos are, I, I, I've, I've, always, I've always cherished the Junos. And they're all just Canadian artists, correct? Yeah, yeah. for the Junos, yeah. But I've had, I've had other awards and stuff and other artists and other things. But to me, the Junos are like the cream of the crop, the biggest the biggest honor a Canadian artist can get, right? Mm. So to me, it's it's huge. A Juno's huge. Could a band like Dream Theater be considered for the Junos? Maybe because, right, Labrie is Canadian? Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I believe there are certain rules how much CanCon has to be on the album, right? Yeah, it might be like his solo stuff. Yeah, his solo stuff. Maybe there's, you know, there's also rules about it being recorded in Canada. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a few things. There's a checklist of how much has to be in Canada or something like that. Do you know where I'd find that information? I believe yeah, it's in the rules on their site. I believe when you go, well, maybe in the back end of their site where it says when you're submitting your material. They give you a long list of things that uh, criteria, I believe, cool. that you have to check off to be accepted. And like the Juno submissions already started like last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. When do they normally take place? Uh, I think when are they taking? They're taking place in Toronto next in 2022. I think in April. Okay. I'm not 100%. The Google search will tell me. So. Yeah, they're going to be in Toronto. Did they give a date yet? I don't know. Oh, yeah, May. That's coming up soon. May 9th to the 15th is Juno week. So, Do you have any bands that might be attending? I don't know. I've, I'm, you know I've, I messaged a few bands that they should submit, right? So we'll see who submits. And cross my fingers maybe i'll go toronto's closer to montreal so that would be nice mm-hmm. so back to the promotion side of things um you had some guest spots doing guest speaking about different topics what do you normally talk about um pretty much the same thing we've been chatting about um you know pr how to go about it how it works um what can bands do on their own that's simple what what a publicist is going to do for you, you know, um, et cetera. And like how to just navigate the industry because the industry is, is competitive, super competitive, you know, and the bands that you see that are huge. And I still find some bands are so jaded that it happened like that. And it's like, no, man, been paying their dues for 20 years 30 years you know and they're still building they still have to keep building and building and going and going you don't stop mm-hmm. in the music industry because once you stop there's another band to take your spot that's pretty much how it goes you're just one of thousands and thousands who are doing the same thing so yeah it's usually that's it what i've spoken on is just what I do and how I do it and how the, my thoughts on the music industry and stuff like that. With being one band in a sea of thousands, uh, let me rephrase that, sorry. Um, 
I'm just wondering what kind of impact you think streaming services has had on that part of promotion and uh, production. I personally think streaming services are good in a sense as a PR guy, it's just another avenue for you to be mm -hmm. heard, you know? And I think, yeah, you know, the debate of revenues and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But if you want to be seen, if, because every band, I don't care what you say, you all are, let's put it this way, self-centered and you want everybody to hear your art in the reality. So when you say, oh, it's unfair, yeah, it could be. But in my eyes as a PR person, it's, it's just another avenue, another channel to be discovered and heard and maybe convert some fans. So you got to take it as it is. Um, and as PR and marketing, I don't believe your efforts should be concentrated on one channel. It should be covered in multiple channels because not everybody is going to be on looking for you on YouTube and not everybody's going to be watching your Facebook. You know, you need multiple avenues to be seen and heard and you take it. And I've had battles with bands. I've worked with some bands who've been anti Spotify and, and others, other avenues. And I'm just like, well, fine. And you do the promo and I still stand my guns. I'll be like, we could have done better, but you didn't want to be seen or heard on these channels. So it is what it is. You've restricted yourself, you know, and I believe marketing and PR, it's like the goal of a publicist is just to try to get you on as many platforms in print, online, radio, and, and get heard because it's, it's repetition. The key word is repetition in a message, right? It's, it's like the number one rule in marketing. It's like repeat the message over and over and over until it's retained by the consumer. You know, you got TV ads for products. You got radio ads. You got billboards. You got online banners. You got your social media. So, and you're bombarded until you're finally seen this product enough times to be like, I'm going to check it out now and maybe be convinced in purchasing or you just remember it and it's retained, whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe the next time the band comes through, you know, but it's just being, it's being, it's just repeat, repeat and being seen and heard everywhere and anywhere in my eyes. That's the goal too. And what's your personal favorite promotional tool? Not necessarily most successful, but your preference. Honestly, it's just talking to, to the media guys, if I can, like by phone or in person. I miss the in-person. I really do. In person at the shows um, or at the festivals, hanging out with the media guys and just having a beer and building a friendship along with, you know, the business relationship that I miss the most. Um, and that I've always found like was always good for business, you know? Um, so once the, the P2P gets back together, I think that'll be good, but that's my personal favorite. I like the meet and greet, you know, like if I come to Calgary, we go for a beer, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in, 
<laughs> yeah, that's usually just like how I am. I like, I just, I'm very social. <laughs> you get a better sense of who the person is too. Yeah, exactly. And you need that. Um, I still have to read. I'm actually trying to read a book called uh, what, what is it called? What everybody is saying. And it's by this FBI dude who, who talks about reading body language. And I find that very interesting. Right. So I've been trying to get through that book for like too long now. Just too much work. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully soon enough, but yeah, I think that's the best. And then you know, the general is usually news releases and then, you know, pitching one-on-one with people is also uh, good, you know, and just providing content, good content, you know, um, that's it. Just good content. You, you know, you, one thing too, that's key in the, the music industry is you're only good as your reputation, right? You're only good as your name. So you got to always provide good stuff, you know, can't always, you know, can't always provide the best stuff, but you try to present the best stuff that you've enjoyed. Like some media haven't like, I've really loved a certain band. And then you're like, some media just don't get it. And you're just like, Oh, okay. You know? And they've like brutally assaulted it. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't see it that way at all. But, that's the beauty of PR and the press guys. It's the opinions of the media guys, right? You don't know what to expect from their opinions. And every band wants their opinions. They always want good opinions. They can't handle the bad opinions, but the bad opinions are good too, because it forces you to be like, okay, let's reflect on what we can do better. Maybe. Or you could totally ignore it and just keep on doing what you're doing. How do you persuade media companies or, um, like media outlets to promote the bands you're putting forward? It's partially just trying to explain the band literally, right? Giving a good story pitch. What's this album about? Why should I cover this? You know, you're a fan of this. You're going to love this. You know, like for infrared right now, it's thrash. And I listened to that album and I was like, dude, eh, any, Slayer fan is going to love this album. And, you know, you put that in the pitch. If you love Slayer, like old school Slayer, you're going to love this album. Okay? Vocally, it sounds like Aria. And then musically, you got the 80s thrash to it, too. And you just, you know, you have to be enthusiastic when you sell this stuff. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a telemarketer. Hey, this is what I got to sell you. You know, like... um, and just give the story behind it and why they think they should take a listen to it and then expose it to their readers or their listenership, right? You know? So, and in the end, what I've learned about the music industry, in the end, you could do as much work in marketing as you, you want. In the end, it's the product, it's the album, it's the music itself that should sell itself, right? If that is not good, and if it can't hold its own ground, everything else around it won't matter anyways. So that's that's the key. A really good album, period. Do you ever promote bands that you're not necessarily a fan of? 
Okay, we're going to get into like politics. There are situations where management and record labels, to be honest, hold like the carrot. I'll be candid. So I want to work with that band. But in order to work with that band, they sometimes give you the lower level band they're working with that I'm personally not digging, but I'll work it so I can get to the really good band. And that's the, the art of business. That's the business world too. It's in any business. Yeah, exactly. So I've taken on some projects where I personally felt why, you know, this management signed them or why this label signed them. Um, but I'll do it. And I not per se like them, but they still do well with the press guys. And that's fine. It's just not my cup of tea. Well, you can't be into every kind of music, right? No. Uh, you know, I can't love everything. But when it's an independent, completely artist, I'm doing them because I really like them. You know, it's only when you're dealing with booking agents because, you know, booking agents to come to you with bands that they're working, but they need press so they could book better tours for them and uh, management and then uh, or the distributors or the labels. And, you know, I'll take them because, you know, in the reality is you want the better projects that they're doing. Right. So. It's just the way the industry does it. So, I don't, yeah, I'm candid about it. I'm honest, whatever. That's the way it goes. That's the music industry. You know, we all got to eat shit to get to the good stuff sometimes. It's the reality. <laughs> and it's all subjective taste, too, so it's not an issue. Where you might not find um, a good sound in a band, somebody else might love it. Yeah, I've been surprised. You know, I've passed up on some bands that I didn't like at all for PR. And I honestly, my biggest thing was I thought they were terribly recorded. Like vocals were off and I just felt like mixing and mastering was terrible. And they found another PR guy to work it. And I was still surprised that they got the coverage they got. The, they got Because I was just like, that was terribly recorded. That's a terrible first impression why you know first impressions are key in the music industry too right so it's like you're gonna show the media guy this is your first recordings ah you know anyways it happens what's the worst first impression you've ever gotten from a band <laughs> uh where's first impression um uh, to be honest racism really yeah wow i've been in situations where the, they just were shooting the shit and being anti-semitic in front of my face not realizing i was jewish <laughs> that seems like a good shot in the foot oh man that was a terrible first impression and then just made me blacklist them wherever i if they cross paths but yeah, I think that's the worst first impression a band can, has done. <laughs> you'd think you'd mind your manners when you're trying to pitch your product. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's happened. But that that was like in person, right? So it was like, you dumbass. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you spend a lot of time on social media uh, doing promotions and stuff. Do you spend a lot of time personally on social media too? Um, you know, 
I want to honestly get off social media personally. Uh, I, I'm becoming it, but it's a necessarily tool, so I do use it. Mm-hmm. But it, what I don't like about social media personally, um, it just takes like three, four hours of my time because there's so much tagging from the press outlets and the bands, and I have to go sit through it and then do the sharing. So that's time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so personally for me, uh, I like to use it just more as a news feed. That's how I see it for myself and my company and for other bands. It's just another news feed. You want to know that, you know, I'm just, I'm peddling stuff. I'm, I'm a salesman kind of peddling, promoting stuff. So I use it. If I had a choice of a regular day job, nine to five, maybe being a construction worker, um, I wouldn't be on social media you know, personally, maybe here and there, I wouldn't use it as often as I do. Right. Um, you know, and now there's talk about anti-Facebook revolt stuff coming just from that Monday blip. Right. So we'll see. Um, but I still think it's a great tool. Um, honestly, it's a great, great, great tool for people to reach new channels. Just one moment there, John. It turns out my recording has stopped. Yeah, daughter just ripped out the uh, the plugin. <laughs> it happens. All right, so I don't quite remember where we were. We were talking about social media. That's right. Uh, Facebook and all that. I was. I, I said. Well, I said. If I was a construction worker working nine to five, I probably wouldn't be on it as often, but PR, it's like, I use it as my newsfeed, right? So, um, I still think it's a necessarily tool because it's good for bands. You can reach, you can reach consumers that way. It's like, you're cutting out the middleman in a sense. You can directly reach people with whatever you want them to know. And they can pay attention or not pay attention. It's their choice, but you can put out content and use it to your advantage to harness and cultivate, right? So I'm just, yeah, I'm just, yeah. It's just, it's time consuming thing, right? Would you say that's one of your least enjoyable things about promotion? Um, Partially. It just sometimes sucks so much out of my day you know, um, to, to take care of like sharing the press stuff. I don't mind. It's just, it's just time consuming that sometimes I'm like, I want to do something else, but I got to share all this stuff. Right. Um, and get it out there. So that's it. You know, it's part of the job. I'm not, it's, it's gotta be done. So we'll do it. Simple as that. Each band probably has different like social media requirements. Yeah, well, like all the bands, I tell them to take care of their own social media. I'm just, they can come to me for advice and stuff. And, you know, you know, I've had scenarios where bands posted the stupidest things without thinking, you know, and I was like, ah, anyways, you know, that, that too is a publicist. A publicist is also a, a consultant. Bands shouldn't feel like they, if they have like a promotional idea, and they're like, oh, what do you think of this? We're there for that too. Because we, I have experience with like, how do you think the media will perceive this? You know what I mean? 
So um, that's got to be done. Like, we're here to advise you. We're advisors, you know, and some bands just jump the gun and then don't think about it later. And it's just like, uh, but we're there too to give advice, you know, from our experience. You've had a long list of clients over the years. Do you have any uh, clients that are still longstanding partners? Yeah. Um, Stryker's one of them. Um, I did fuck the facts. I've done two albums for them. And then I have a lot of bands that keep coming back. Some don't, some want to try other PR and I'm not, that doesn't hurt me, you know, try with another PR, you know, it's the way it goes. Um, but you know, you build a relationship, you develop a friendship too with these bands and clients and they can become friends. Right. So it's just like we work together and, and I personally like it that way too, because you develop uh, a progressive build with them, but also the media, they get used to you being their rep all the time. So like I had a band recently, uh, they, you know, they decided to go with another PR and I was upset. I'm like, but I did so good with the first album, you know, like they, they just wanted something different. And I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, that's fine. Um, but I still had other media guys coming to me being like, oh, we saw their new albums dropping. Can we get it? I'm like, I love to, but I don't rep them. You have to contact their reps. I'm on, you know, I'd be like a sad face and be like, I'm disappointed I'm not doing this release, but it was their choice. You know, it, it could go if, you know, I hope it goes well with that PR. And if it does, then it does. But if it doesn't, it's unfortunate. I would have, I always feel like I'm always like a, a control freak where I'm like, I'm going to do good with this. I'm going to push it as hard as I can. You know, I want to get the best results. So anyways. Well, that'll mean the difference between you and another PR company. Yeah. But there's tons of other PR that I look up to that I think are better than me too, that I want to event. You know, I'm still trying to get up the ladder. I call it the metal ladder for the industry. We're all trying to climb the metal ladder and get to the top and it's competitive, you know, but there are tons of other PR guys that I, I look up to that. I'm like, that's still who I want to be, you know, and I'm hoping to still get there and build. What are some strategies over time that you uh, developed to help yourself climb that ladder? It's just building friendships, networking, Networking has probably been the biggest key. It's just knowing everybody. A publisher should know everyone. <laughs> you know, should know who are the players and who does what. And just knowing, you got to know all the industry players, you know, mm-hmm. big and small. And just be friendly with everybody. Not everybody gets along, but try to be friendly with everybody. Who were some of your first clients? Huh? Sorry. Who were some- who were my first? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have Forty Birds and Special Ops in Montreal for metal. Uh, but I started in hip hop, believe it or not. Interesting. I worked for Empire Isis. Um, I worked for them, Monumental Records, with distribution with Universal. That was my one of my first gigs. 
And I'll always cherish those moments because um, that was the one that opened my eyes big time to the music industry. Because I, I traveled to like New York and I went to LA and I got to go down to Texas and I hung out with big names and I got to like work with Big Boy from Outcast and I worked with Kali Buds and Green DJ Green Lantern, these events. I met like, um, I met Kid Cudi, I met, I met Sam Roberts, I met Asher Roth, I met guys, I met you, God from Ruta. The list is long. I met a lot of big hip hop names when I worked for them. And, uh, and I learned a lot on, about the music industry. It didn't matter what genre it was, right? They apply the same way, majority. So, um, and it, it just opened my eyes to like, wow, okay. You know, how are people doing things, right? And who are the players? And stuff like that in building yeah it was it really gave me a crash course on certain things i didn't know about the industry so it was good and why the switch because i was a metal fan first and foremost like i like hip-hop but not to the extent i like metal and hard rock and stuff like that you know i felt a bit trapped because i had uh i i love i like certain things about hip-hop but i wasn't like enthusiastic and partially so it was hard for me to like sell stuff that i wasn't passionate about and enthusiastic about you know what i mean so you know and you know i'll be on i had to educate myself i had to get a crash course in 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 hip-hop a bit too whereas metal it was like i knew it i was a fan i know these you know i know this and this and this Whereas in the hip hop world, I was always studying. It was always a study, study, study to learn what are these references they're talking about, right? But I I don't regret any of those years. They they were great. It really gave me more insight on building and doing what I do. When you were working hip hop, was that before AMR? Pardon? Was that before uh, Asher Media Relations? No, that was when I first started. So uh, I kept my roster eclectic when I first started out. I did a bit of hip hop, I did a bit of metal, and I did a bit of uh, like folk rock, rock alternative. And that way I kept it. So I worked in various avenues of media for the genres. And it worked pretty good until I just got, it got a little bit weird because hip-hop guys be like you're working with a metal band and metal band be like you're working with hip-hop and they'll be like it doesn't matter i'm not pitching you guys to the same stuff so it doesn't matter you know what i mean yeah but yeah it kind of got weird for a bit and then i just because i i i I did hip-hop for maybe five years in the beginning so um but yeah and then i eventually you know metal is where i felt at home you know so I kept with it. What styles of metal are you personally drawn to? What I can't. Let's go. Oh. Sorry. Styles. What metal. was that again? Are you personally? Are you personally? Oh, personally. Mm-hmm. Prog. Prog and, and new metal. Um, my all-time favorite band is Limp Biscuit. I've never. Heard of 
Metalheads are going to shit on me, but I don't give a fuck. Okay? Limb Biscuit to me was my, you know, it was my high school years. Limb Biscuit, Corn, Deftone, Slipknot, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Uh, those are my favorite bands growing up. And I love new metal, rap, or whatever you want to call it. But I love those bands. But then Prague, Prague, rock, Prague metal, too, is uh, one of my favorites, too. So, um, as as long as I like being caught off guard sometimes mm. listening to something and be like, you're listening and it's not, you know, and then they just do something. Oh, that was cool. I like that stuff, right? So, that's those are my personal tastes. But I do like certain amounts of black metal, uh, minus the elitist, purest ass wipes, you know, <laughs> that don't have an open mind um death metal i like i like i like all the genres i do i like all the majority of the sub genres but uh, but those are the ones that i personally listen to but i listen to i have to listen to all the bands i rep and catch the scenes so i don't and i like them so there's certain like black metal that i love and there's certain death metal bands i love and then there's some that i despise that i'm just like it doesn't do anything for me now it's like you're not doing anything special in my in my opinion but but yeah those are them thrash too i like thrash melodic death metalcore to a certain extent not that emo shit i hate emo those whiny vocals <laughs> you know <laughs> uh are there any local bands that you're drawn to right now or that you're paying attention to uh, I'm working with a few locals like Thrash Labyrinth. It's uh, French thrash folk metal stuff. Uh, Nova Spy, I'm working with is The Gents, Proggy Metal. Uh, who else? I worked Anonymous, who are like legends in Quebec, uh, thrash metal. Uh, who else from Montreal am I working right now? Let me look at the list. Uh, War Call, another thrash band from Montreal. I'm doing their second EP of the year coming out. Um, yeah, I work with a good amount from locally from Montreal and then just the rest of Canada too, right? So uh, Infrared's from Ottawa. Ravenous is from Calgary. Um, I got the design abstract from Ontario area. Various from Niagara Falls. I got Rage in My Eyes from Brazil that I'm doing my second release with them for. Yeah, I'm all over the place, man. Plus, Rock Shock Records from Italy. I work all their European releases, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, lots of, like, good power metal from, like, Italy, Greece, Germany, like, thrash and um, classic heavy metal bands there, too. And, yeah. So, and then I just spaced them out on the scheduling, man, just to work them all. So, uh, Yeah. But I listen to everybody, and the majority of them I like. I all like them, so it That's works good. out. Um, as far as Astro Media Relations goes, what does the future look like, and where do you plan to go from this moment? I, I'm going to still push and hustle. I'll drop it here. Might as well. I've been contemplating back going back to school to study entertainment law. So that might be a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> contemplation. But 
Maybe that's the universe telling me, I don't know. Right? I don't know. There's construction outside. Um, but uh, yeah, entertainment law might interest me. So what kind of things it's do you learn in entertainment law? Then? Huh? What do you hope to learn? Yeah, contracts, negotiations, okay. you know, for the bands and stuff. I have too many stories about fucking bands being like, I hate my deal. I hate this and I hate that. Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, why'd you sign it? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Don't you guys read, read through and constant battles for royalties and sales money and I don't know. So uh, it might be a thing. Maybe I'll be a, a lawyer fight for the underdog. I don't know. Lawyer and relations guy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it's just a thought. Something I got to research more into. With I don't know where my university education stands for any credits and do I have to start back at square one? You know. <laughs> I just say fuck it and do it. Yeah. It might be an interesting thing. So we're going to see. We'll see what I do. Awesome. It's just awesome. been a thought recently. On that note, John, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we cut things off? Um, Just, you know, support the indie artists. Um, COVID's been tough on everybody. So any little bit of support of buying an album or going to a show when that happens, but so, you know, buying a shirt, buying a, some merch, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being in the band is an expensive business, period. You know, the music industry is an expensive business in general. And then just getting it out there is expensive. Everything's just expensive. So don't download for free, at least stream download by paying buy a physical cd a vinyl a t-shirt it goes around full circle it really does so you know i don't want to sound like a broken record but do that kind of stuff you have to show support yeah because then it just disappears exactly you know so john it was a pleasure talking with you today thank you so much for joining me yeah Thanks for having me. This was a really good interview. I really appreciate good questions I appreciate and really more in depth than some of my other interviews. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I definitely will have John again in the future if that works out for you. Yeah, totally, man. Awesome. Totally. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.